Welcome to the Black Doctor Collective Podcast. We as Black doctors are in a unique position. We can change our communities, healthcare, and the world. Of course, we start by changing the way we see and value ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Shanika Horn, pediatrician and physician coach, travel extraordinaire. I am so happy to have you here and listening. So let's get into it. Good morning. This week, we have a guest. So voted one of 10 best doctors in North Carolina. Doc Swiner is a family physician, six-time best-selling author. Ooh, that is impressive. Blogger, speaker, wife, and mother in Durham. She is also affectionately known as the Superwoman Complex Expert and has written two best selling books on the topic, which has now evolved into the hashtag No Superwoman lifestyle brand. She also owns and runs Swiner Publishing Company. She helps writers become best selling authors and entrepreneurs. And she runs Serenity Hydration and Wellness, providing IV hydration and self-care consults to clients. She loves taking care of the family as a whole with expertise in minority health, women's health, self-care, DEI, as diversity, equity, inclusion, for those who didn't catch the acronym, and female entrepreneurship. She attended Duke University and went to medical school at the Medical University of South Carolina. She's lived in the Triangle, which is Durham, North Carolina, since finishing residency at UNC Chapel Hill. I mean, we're going to talk about how you did both Duke and UNC, even though they're rivaling. Um, and she serves there as an adjunct associate professor. Along with seeing patients, she speaks nationally in the realm of mental health, diversity in medicine and equity, freelancing for WebMD and the Birdie Beauty brand, and teaching others to self-publish. She has been, she has become one of the nation's experts on self-care, imposter syndrome, physician burnout, and work-life balance. Welcome, Dr. Nicole Swiner. Hello. Thank you so Yay. much for having me. Hi. I'm so excited because everything that you are an expert on is the, the very things we talk about on this podcast, yeah. like everything. So I'm like, you know what? I'm just gonna let you take over because listen, we need well, to know all the things. Congratulations to you, by the way, for having this this platform. It, it, I wish as a medical resident, I would have had this this type of a thing to listen to and, and gain mentorship from. So congratulations to you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. So, of course, although I read the bio, you know, your story is best told by you. So I would love to hear your story and tell the people who you are. Yes, that's where you did all. I mean, these are this is a list of accomplishments. Listen, it's a, still a work <laughs> in progress. I'm still trying to figure out what I want to be and who I want to be. When I'm... <laughs> love it. Um, right. So I think that's that's the key to life is continuing to figure out what you want to do, who you want to be. Mm hmm. Um, always going to be something that you hopefully will become interested in and, and journey into no matter what you went to school for. So my journey started, um, of course, you know, with family medicine. Um, so I went to, as you mentioned, I went to, to Duke. I'm originally from Charleston, South Carolina, came to North Carolina for college. So I went to undergraduate at Duke University. So go Blue Devils. Blue Devils <laughs> always be near and dear to my heart. So no matter what school I, what other school I went to, it always comes back to Duke. So that answers your UNC question. <laughs> yes, it does. 
So uh, separately oh, from that. I was going to say alliances have been drawn. <laughs> no, it's never been a question. I got on my, my blue today. But no, it, no matter where you did like your graduate and like postgraduate stuff, it's it's where you went to undergrad. So undergrad was Duke. But anyway, much love to UNC, particularly the hospital and the residency, because that's where I grew into the family doctor uh, that I am now. So learned a lot from both universities, but that's essentially how how and why I came to North Carolina. Did go back home for, for uh, medical school at the uh, Medical University of South Carolina, but then came right back to North Carolina. I loved the opportunities that were here. I had a, a you know, my friend base was here. Um, you know, uh, ultimately found the love of my life here, you know, who's my husband. And so love North Carolina for multiple reasons. Right. Shout out to Rick Swiner. I always do in any podcast that I do. But um, so that's why I'm here in North Carolina. So I consider myself now a beloved North Carolinian Duramite. Um, although, you know, I still go back home to visit my family who's is is in Charleston. But from a career standpoint, once I finished residency got right into my first job uh, as a family doc here in Durham. And then two years after becoming a, fam a, a practicing family physician, uh, was thrown into the business of medicine. Never you know, predicted, never thought that I would ever want to be on the business side, but you know, God willing, that's what happened. So became a private practice co-owner <laughs> two years you know, into my career. And that wow. was- Right. And so that was both wonderful and overwhelming and fun and stressful and all the things mm -hmm. at the same time, particularly as a new wife and new mom. So all of those things were kind of happening all at the same time. It, it was great. It was fun. It's exciting, adventurous, but it was a lot. So my journey into what, you know, I call the superwoman complex journey or my no superwoman lifestyle started with realizing that I could no longer be a superwoman. Um, and that was after the birth of my first child, who's now 12. But shortly after having her, came back to work after maternity leave, which was only like six weeks, because that's, you know, all you get. <laughs> um, maybe eight weeks. I think I even like added on some short-term disability to that. Isn't but that crazy? Um, right. So we get this much mm -hmm. and then you have to sacrifice if you want some more. Um, so after my six to eight weeks of maternity leave, having my first child, not sleeping well because I'm breastfeeding at all times of the night, uh, not eating the right types of foods, not getting time to exercise and all that, I come right back into the mode of working, treating patients and handling business. And long story short, I passed out <laughs> at work. <laughs> wow. Passed all the way out after seeing oh, a patient. Yeah. I sure I felt it kind of happening. I kind of ushered the patient out of the room. I was like, okay, I'll see you in a couple of weeks. And kind of, you know, after a series of events kind of hit the floor. Um, right. So that was literally my rock bottom mm. and my, right. My body and my mental health and my family and my loved ones then telling me, what are you doing? Like you yeah. said, sit down somewhere. Like literally my husband <laughs> literally said, sit you up down somewhere. <laughs> and so I said, I hear you. Yes. God, everybody. Okay. I hear you. And that I had to make a, a drastic change. And that to me um, meant that I had to do things differently in terms of the goals that I was pursuing, my priorities um, and keeping myself first. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, stop me at any point. Cause we, I could go on and on about how black I'm women enthralled. <laughs> I'm like, oh my goodness, this is good. 
right? Because I mean, we we are taught socially, particularly as Black women, we're taught that you know, go do all, be all, succeed yeah. all things, and carry the world on your shoulders, and we do it well, very well, right? Yeah. But it doesn't mean that we should have to. Yeah. Right. I have to like literally I this that's what this week's episode is about yeah. was I've had several conversations with other black women during which they have talked about trying to like be and exceed and this and like it's so normal in the thought process that that's just the baseline baseline belief is that like we got to do all the things mm-hmm. and I'm like no no Let's not do that. And then I caught myself doing it. And I'm like, oh, it's a trickery. It's a little, little tricky. We all do. All. Yeah. We do. And so thankfully I've had the support, the support team, particularly with the men in my family, interestingly. So my father, you know, when he found out what happened, he said, look, you know, he, he reminded me of what my mom probably went through from a mental health standpoint. You know, um, unfortunately, sadly, she succumbed to the effects of alcoholism likely stemming from untreated or uncontrolled mental health issues, stress-related things um, with her, you know, upbringing and trying to manage the family and all these things. And so I think he didn't want to see me go down that same path and then sent me, you know, some, some articles, interestingly, that he read on women in the workforce and women trying to handle all the things and be bosses, both outside of the home, bosses in, in the home. And he's, I, I, I think that was his, subtle, not so subtle way of telling me that I needed to figure the priorities out, figure out the balance. My Slow husband, down. Right. My husband clearly was like, we cannot sustain this. We're trying to have kids and trying to be happy and do all the things. And he said, you know, we got to figure out a, a better balance. So with their help, with therapy and counseling and, you know, looking at my schedule and figuring out how to give what I wanted to give to my patients, but not forget about myself, I figured out uh, some better ways to handle things. So I, that, yeah. So I credit that moment with kind of the start to my no superwoman journey. And that's, you know, I've been preaching that we preach that to our patients all the time, right? (laughs) (laughs) Knowledge and application, I say completely. (laughs) Yes. So I try to now practice what I preach in -hmm. terms of taking things slow having some slow days in your schedule, blocking off some days in your schedule when you're not running so much. So today, for instance, this is my big thing on today's schedule, which is great. So I was able to kind of ease into my day, get ready for this um, versus having to run, 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 do, 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 do all the things on your checklist all the time. And so that, and of course, you know, making sure you're trying to eat more healthy, trying to exercise routinely, and then just scheduling in your fun. You know, don't forget in life, you got to have fun. So hopefully you can find ways both in work and outside of work to have fun so that work doesn't feel so heavy all the time. And so that's what I've been trying to do in my career is find those fun things, both in medicine and outside of medicine that can still pay the bills (laughs) because you got to do that. That part. Yeah. So what did you find as a solution? Like what were the first steps that you took? Like what path did you choose? So again, it's still a work in progress, um, yeah. and, right? So still a work in pro- progress, but the big step that I took was March, 2022, I decided to leave the clinical setting. Okay. That's major. And not everybody can make that 
decision, right? So I didn't take that decision lightly. The pandemic certainly was the straw that broke the camel's back. Mm-hmm. Uh, because from a business standpoint, from a medical standpoint, it was overwhelming having to deal with this this trauma that we all went through with the pandemic um, and trying to figure out how to keep each other, you know, your your individual self healthy, your home base healthy, and your patient population healthy. And then the community as a whole, right? Because we, <laughs> again, as Black women or as physicians, we're taught that we need to, we need to help everybody. So I was trying to manage multiple populations of people, keep myself from getting sick, keep my family from getting sick. And in doing so, financially, the business was, it was, you know, adjusting to not having patients coming into the door because, you know, we were in shutdown and we were doing telemedicine visits, which were great, but not paying quite the same as it would from an insurance standpoint as if you're seeing the patient in in person. So there were some months when me and my partner at work weren't taking home a check. Right. Not taking home, it's not making money because we had the money, the money that we were getting, uh, the staff has to be paid first. The rent has to be paid. The lights got to be kept on, you know, right. And so I was like, "Mm." I was like, you know, I know we're doing God's work, but not getting paid. for. Altruism does not pay bills. You got (laughs) it. You got it. So I said, Okay, God, um, what's what are we going to do about this? And I'd already even pre-pandemic had already been thinking about ways to kind of take a little time away from the clinic. Because again, I'm trying to figure out this balance. How can I take, you know, the, the, the ideal situation would have been to be part-time in clinic and then have the other time to be at home and do remote work or do some of the other things that I'm into now and be able to have that balance and have some rest. But the realization or the 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 reality was as an owner of a practice that's not as easy to do because you still owe half of the bills half of the rent how does that work so ultimately my decision was to leave altogether um and that was a hard one mm-hmm. however since that year since that time i've been able to find a lot of other things to get into i definitely feel less stress and less burdened with mm-hmm. the having, you know, thinking about my staff of 15 on my shoulders and the decisions that I make also affect them and their livelihoods. You know, I, I need a break from that. So now they really care about me and my, my patients and my clients, the ones that I I take care of now. So. Yeah. So is that like a complete removal from clinical medicine or you just shifted your role? What does that look like? So the mixture of things that I do now still involved me a little bit in in the clinical piece. So when I first exited, I went on to a research gig. So I was uh, I served as a principal investigator and some investigator with a research company with different trials where I was essentially the doctor on site. So I still would see patients involved in the trials and I would check in on them and I would do physical exams and you know have to kind of report data and all that and that was fun. So I did that for about a year. And I would still love to kind of get in and out. It's kind of a contract gig, but I would still love to kind of keep my foot in research um, as much as possible. So in that setting, I was still using a little bit of my clinical skills. And then I worked for a telemedicine company, a hormone, uh, a men's hormone treatment uh, company. And we were you know, seeing patients online, prescribing and, and uh, evaluating lab work and all that stuff. So that was still being able to use my clinical skills. And then most recently, 
um, probably one that I will stick with for um, a long time is I'm doing what's called utilization management. Are you familiar with that? So I keep hearing this term thrown yes, around uh, in a lot of Facebook groups. So if you want to yeah. tell the audience what it is, I'm sure that a lot of people do not know what it is. That would be. Yes. I didn't know until probably around the time I was thinking about leaving. I was like, oh, okay, this, this, this sounds interesting. So what I do is I work for a third party and, and you can work and do this in different, different ways. So you can either work for an insurance company that in their utilization management department, or you can be part of a third party company that's hired by insurance companies to do it for them. Okay. And what it involves is if you think about it, utilization management, how much we are using as doctors and providers, how much we are using um, resources to help um, evaluate and treat our patients. So CT scans, MRIs, PET scans, different types of therapies, how much are these resources being used and how much are the insurance companies paying for them? Mm -hmm. So my job, I work with a third-party company called Evelyn, used to be called Magellan. Uh, we are hired by different insurance companies to kind of be the deciders, <laughs> the, the decision-making people on whether a study is approved or denied based on the guidelines that the insurance chooses to use. Mm -hmm. So in my in my specialty, I'm a radiology um, medical director. What I do is an insurance company or a provider refers their patient to have a CT, MRI, PET scan for whatever reason. It comes to us. The insurance company has their list of things that have to be done before you can get the study approved. Mm -hmm. I look at it. I look at the clinic notes. I evaluate what the patient's done, what the provider's already prescribed, et cetera, et cetera. And I say, yes, you can have this study and your insurance will pay for it. Or no, you can't, and this is why. Okay. And then following that, a provider can then do a peer-to-peer, -peer, which not all of us love to do in the clinical setting. I remember having to do them. I did not always love them yeah. <laughs> because it took out time from your, your clinic. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes at the end of the conversation, your study would still get denied. And <laughs> I was really angry about that. So I tried to remember that as I'm talking to my peers and I try to tell them, if it's not approved, why and what they can do to resubmit and get it done. Yeah. So I try to be an advocate for us on the other side. So that's what probably utilization need more is. people. Yeah, I was gonna say probably need more people who are actually on the side of the physician that is trying to do their best. Right. And I feel like with our company, we 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 do a good job with that. We have a lot of providers that are fresh out of clinical practice mm -hmm. and remember remember that feeling of having to do peer-to-peer. -peer. So I think at least the group that I came in with, you know, my my class, yeah, we're very cognizant of that. And we're like, look, just just send us the PT notes. Just, you know, make sure in your physical exam you say this. Send me the note real quick and you know, come have it come to me so I can look at it again. Yeah. 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 Okay. And that is definitely something I, I, like I said, I see come up a lot in physician Facebook groups, particularly ones that are looking for alternatives. Yes. And remote eggs is remote. I do it from home. Yeah. See, that's clutch because people just don't want to be in person anymore. <laughs> or like that, yeah. that it's required. I, that was a wake up call for the pandemic for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Right. I loved, I loved that piece. I loved the growth of telemedicine and virtual visits. You know, there are reasons to use it uh, very specifically and, you know, it's not appropriate for all things and all patient visits, but it's very helpful if you're looking 
to have a kind of a more manageable schedule from home. Yeah. Love it. Okay. So you've shifted, you've found quite a few, it sounds like you found multiple revenue points that you can use as a physician. Can you tell us like some of these different points? Cause I love that you, I mean, we heard it in your bio, but also just, there's just so many options for physicians that people just don't even consider. And so I would love if you would just talk about that a little bit. I love that. So I just got back. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with um, Dr. Kathy Sepian and her Institute for Physician Wellness. <clears throat> Excuse me. I just got back from Utah yesterday talking at her one of her wellness retreats that, by the way, is something she does almost primarily for her as her work now. So she is a pediatrician in Alaska, but has a series of wellness retreats that she puts on throughout the year. And uh, could do that solely, but loves the clinical setting with peds and still does that part-time. So one of the things you could do is start a whole you know, coaching program if you have a certain area of expertise and put on wellness retreats. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so that's one revenue stream. Um, speaking, you know, getting paid to go and do panel speaking, keynote speaking is great. Because again, you can set your own schedule. You can do it when you have the time to do it. Um, it's great revenue, um, especially if you um, are consistently putting out content. So like for you, you're putting out wonderful content with this podcast, mm-hmm. posting it on YouTube, posting on social media, developing your your niche, you know, your, right. your thing that you are an expert or a couple of things that you're an expert in. And then if you want to kind of promote yourself and do it on your own, that's fine. And people will reach out to you and ask you to come and speak for their thing. Or if you want to join a speakers bureau that um, sometimes can be more um, efficient because then you're not having to constantly promote yourself by yourself. For instance, I'm part of Kevin MD's speakers bureau. So if you're familiar with Kevin MD, Kevin Foe, P-H-O is his last name. Uh, He has his podcast. He has his, um, he has his blog. Uh, And he started a speakers bureau of other physicians to essentially take on the uh, gigs that he didn't have time to do (laughs) because he was asked, you know, as the physician on social media, he was asked all all the speaking gigs. So he was like, (laughs) I can't do them all. I may as well invite my friends to do them and get paid, you know, a referral fee, which is brilliant. So joining something like that is very helpful. Um, So what are we talking about? We talk about coaching, wellness retreats, speaking, uh, prior about, let's see, in 2021, about a year before I decided to leave, I also added on hydration and vitamin treatments. Yeah. Kind of a trending popular thing now, kind of controversial. I was going to say, ask. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to ask you because it's controversial. Look, look, I, you know, so I, you know, did the research, looked into it, looked at the pros and cons, the risks and the benefits talked to my patient population about it and they were very into it. Mm. <laughs> they were they were like, we want it. If you offer it, we want it. And it went along with the things that I was teaching and preaching about in terms of the no superwoman lifestyle, because you know, reducing your stress, right. focusing on your health, staying hydrated, watching your blood pressure, watching your sugars, exercising, all these things kind of go hand in hand. And so a lot of my ladies, particularly black women, um, a lot of my ladies are busy for some reason doesn't, you know, can't seem to keep up with water intake the way they're supposed to be drinking or they're, you know, prepping for a marathon. They're working out a lot. They're going out and being social, you know, homecoming season, the holiday season, going on a big vacation. They want to prehydrate. 
you know, they come in for different reasons. There are even some metabolism mixes that give them more energy, help them with their weight loss goals. Um, and so, and, and a lot of them, really, to be honest with you, a lot of them are my past patients and use that time to sit down with me face to face and just talk. Yeah, that's awesome. It makes them, it makes them sit, it makes them yeah. sit still 45 minutes to an hour. Yeah. So that's like an independent practice, right? Like a physical location. And then what do you feel like your time requirement is for that? Like, what did you choose? Yeah. So we are primarily, so originally I started out in uh, my, my previous clinic allowed me to still use a room, a, a space for that, uh, for patients and be mobile. Mm. Um, Cause a lot of these folks love for you to come to their work, you know, during their lunch hour or come to their home. Um, if they're having a, a get together or they're, you know, busy and, you know, it's easier for them to, to have you uh, come to their home. So it was mostly half and half. So they either come to my clinic and get it, or we were doing it mobily. And then once I left the clinic um, setting, I had kind of a little office space, co-working space that I rented and did it in. Now I'm in my home because, you know, financially I was like, I'm paying all that money and I'm really only seeing like one or two clients a week, okay. which schedule wise works for me. Um, cause I didn't want to be too overloaded, too busy. Um, I have a rotating list of, um, certified phlebotomists that I use. Um, so after I did a little bit of training, uh, met up with some certified phlebotomists that I work with essentially a patient schedules. Yeah. I can do all the vitamin shots, you know, the intermuscular shots myself. We have B12, D3, glutathione, triple immunity, um, what else? Those are the big ones. So I can do all those the shots myself. Those are quick and easy for the fluids. I like to have the, the master phlebotomist with me just to kind of help in case we need to do something special with the IV. Yeah. Um, and you know, we have like one or two clients per week. So it's very, you know, we, it's very convenient. Uh, and I didn't necessarily want to like open a brick and mortar, have to manage that, manage a whole staff. You know, I didn't want to do that. I really kind of wanted to do it on a PRN type basis. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I think I assumed it had to be brick and mortar. So I like that you're like, it could be in your house. It's like a concierge service, like very, yeah, love it. Okay. And I'm sure someone listening is going to be like, that's it. That's, yeah. that's it. All right. I do consults now. I have a lot of my colleagues that are trying to start little, little side gigs. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, I can teach you. I can teach you the game. I'm all about teaching you the game. <laughs> Perfect. And we are definitely going to include your contact info in the show notes because yeah. after all these episodes, you know, if it strikes someone, they'll reach out and be like, hey, that doctor that spoke about X, Y, and Z, how do I get in touch with her? I'm like, boom. So we're going <laughs> to we're gonna have that available. <laughs> so yeah. anyone interested in that will reach out. And then you also are helping people write books. It sounds absolutely ridiculous. The more it I talk about not. it, it's amazing. I love it. It's a, you know, it's what would you say? We said multiple streams of, of income. That's what we want. Multiple streams of revenue. So the publishing gig got started, I would say around 2015 ish, while I was um, putting together my first book on the superwoman complex, which was essentially a compilation of like multiple articles I had written for other things. Mm -hmm. So I was writing for a local community paper, um, just about, uh, medical stuff. So diabetes, chronic health issues, chronic mental health issues, all that stuff. And then from that, I kind of compiled a list of, you know, related things that had to do with stress and, and black women's self-care. Yeah. And 
once self-care kind of became kind of a trending topic in the, you know, 2015-16 range, and I was seeing a lot of my peers on social media publishing their books, I was like, oh, look at this, you know, we can do, you know, as physicians, as providers, we talk about this stuff all day long. Why not compile it into a book? Why not take all your your podcast? <laughs> I'm giving you I'm giving you some some uh, <laughs> some ideas, girl. Give me some scoop. All your take podcast it. themes and things and interviews and compile them into a book. Easy yeah. breezy. So, did it twice. Self published on Amazon twice about the Superman complex. And by the second time I did it, I started to have my friends and colleagues come to me and saying, "Hey, how did you do it? Can you help me? Mm-hmm. I, this is where I got stuck." Or I just need somebody to edit it, you know? And I was like, well, maybe this is something that I could help people do. And since then we've kind of taken off. So it's, it's me as the owner, I'm kind of the hand holder and gatekeeper in terms of putting all the pieces together. My husband who does his own, has his own um, graphic design, videography, photography business uh, from home. He helps me with kind of the aesthetic pieces mm-hmm. and we help you to market it and become an Amazon bestseller so that you can kind of launch your, your side gig, your speaking career, your new career, all of that. And so we've been doing that since then. I'm going to keep your, your info because <laughs> hey, listen, <laughs> absolutely. 99% of my authors are black women physicians. Nice. That's amazing. Um, that is yeah, perfect. I know a lot of people who want to write books and have a lot to say. Um, and I and I like some other concepts that I've seen come out of the physician community, which is like collaborative books, things where people are sharing multiple stories. And so there's just a lot of room for possibilities, but people don't know that. So this yeah. is perfect. I love it. I love it. Any other things that you've tried or are options that you wanted to share? Yeah. So, I mean, people nowadays, you know, the, the, the young folks are now doing even more things or much, much more on social media nowadays. I've seen like multiple like residents and students, like even way before they graduate become like influencers and they are brand ambassadors on social media or they're doing media, you know, they're on the news and and doing a lot of journalistic things. I think that's incredible. So you could definitely do that. I will say from a media standpoint, you know, unless you get like a paid permanent gig with the TV channel, that's not often paid, but mm-hmm. it's a great way for you to expand your brand and expose yourself to a large audience. So right. it's great from a branding standpoint. Some people decide to just stick with academia. You know, I have a, a small a, a adjunct associate professorship with UNC um, so sometimes that allows me to go and precept students and, you know, sometimes that's paid, sometimes it's not, but for, for people that just want to teach and just want to be, you know, deans of programs and things of that nature, that is definitely um, an avenue that you can take um, in a non-clinical setting. What else? I mean, there's so many things. People are getting involved in AI and IT, mm-hmm. um, you know, multiple telemedicine opportunities are there. Um, what else? What else? I think so many possibilities. Yeah, uh, with pharmaceutical companies. So you can work with a pharmaceutical company um, either as kind of their doctor representative where you go out and speak and teach about the new things that are coming out or you're with them on the development side. There, you know, my uh, 
my theme for the talk that I did in Utah with the, the physicians I was talking to yesterday, this weekend was you are not stuck. You are not stuck. Yes. <laughs> so if you're burned out and you're suffering from, you know, all these things that we have to do as physicians and providers in the clinic, and you're feeling burdened and overwhelmed and run down, there's an exit. There are many, many things that you can try. Tell the people again. This is like my favorite <laughs> sentence. You are not yes. stuck. You are not stuck. It may feel that way. And I felt that way. Mm -hmm. um, but I was, I mean, and I was in a really like sticky situation. Again, I was an owner. So we had a management company and, you know, had to think about how much money they were going to owe. I had to sell my portion of the company. You know, it was a lot, but right. here we are. You can do yeah. it. Yeah. And I have a, a coaching client now who's doing that same shift of getting out of her own solo practice and trying to figure out what else to do and not really wanting to be the sole provider because that's a heavy weight, um, you know, and how to get away from that, right? And and a lot of physicians I talk to are trying not to necessarily always trade their time for money because they want to have lives, right? They've already given up so much to get onto this path and they feel like they're late to everything, right? Like they missed opportunities, right? So then they get out and they're still working like workhorses and they're like, well, this can't be it. I want to live. Right. It's not, it's definitely not all about the money. And you definitely have to figure out what, you know, what's worth more to you. Is it your time, your time off, your time with your family where you potentially will make less money? Or is it maybe trying to be creative and figure out those ways you can make more money for less work? You know, you really have to kind of, you have to create a plan and it has to be a family decision. So if you, you know, if you're single, you know, you're only worried about yourself is probably a little bit easier of a decision than it is to, when you have a family or have kids or have uh, family members you're, you're taking care of, it's a little bit harder of a decision because it, you have to involve more people. Um, but it can be done. It can be done. You have to have a, an action plan The the good news, particularly about our MDDO degrees is as long as you keep up your certifications, we can always go back. Yeah. Right. We can always go back to the clinical setting. We can always go work in an urgent care hospital, emergency room if we want to. Mm -hmm. You don't have to. Right. <laughs> I love that. I mean, right now I'm working clinically two days a week. And there was, it took a long time for me to even convince myself that that was okay. Right. I went to four days a week and I thought that was luxury. I was like, every weekend I'm having three day weekends. Oh my goodness. Now I'm down to two days and I'm like, y'all can't catch me. Leave. I'm out. <laughs> right. I do. Yeah. I don't want to yeah. do no more. Or, or not work in the metal, medical field at all. Well, you know? that was my original goal. <laughs> really? Yeah. What were you going to do? Well, so I started this podcast. I figured like, let me figure out how to support the physician community. So I coach. So uh, yeah, I'm like between the podcasting, which I have not monetized yet goals for 2024, um, you know, and coaching and hopefully I will expand into like speaking engagements. And I you did retreats was actually my initial goal before I started coaching. Yes. Um, so yeah, I have a lot of plans. I have a lot of yes. dreams and things that I want to do because I like that space. I love conferences. I love the camaraderie and the relationship building that happens. And then like, 
the things you take away from those spaces that you can then go off and implement. So I would love to work in that area. That's yeah. the direction I'm heading in. So I yeah. See I see it. I see that happening. I see it's very possible. Um, again, this is a, a the perfect platform for mm-hmm. that to kind of bounce off of. Um, so to kind of transition a little bit into one that I have coming up. We can yeah, go ahead. Please tell us. Oh, yeah. so, so let me tell you how it happened. So wrote the books about the Superman complex, mm-hmm. getting into speaking. So was being invited out to come and speak at people's churches and schools and book clubs and all that. Um, wanted to kind of do speaking on a larger scale. I wanted to eventually uh, get to essence, which, you know, thank, thank God, you know, finally got there and stuff. So, you know, mm-hmm. I want it right. Right. It, so good. It, it's going to happen. It's, it can't happen. Uh, <laughs> You're <lips laughs> it's, to God's ears. It's going to, it's going to, it's going to. <laughs> uh, but what kind of the in-between was I, instead of people or instead of me waiting for people to invite me, I was like, let me just do my own thing. Let me just have my own conference. Let me just put on my own event. And thankfully I'm in a city, I'm in a community where particularly black women entrepreneurs are very collaborative, you know, excuse me, work with each other, support each other, come to each other's stuff. And when I saw the community having these things and me talking about these things and people saying, you know what, you know, have you ever thought about doing such and such? I said, you know, I'm, I'm going to try it. So around what, 2017, well, let me think next year will be t- in 10 years. So about 2014, 15, I mm-hmm. said, Hey, let's, let's do our own thing. And so I called it new year, new you launched it the beginning of the year, um, here in Durham first, we did that for the first couple of years where we had, you know, workshops and panels and we talked about mental health and self-care and physical health. And we had a DJ and music and spa stuff. Then I kind of transitioned into more wellness. So then we introduced yoga and Zumba into it. Um, And then three, two years ago, I said, well, my husband and I love vacationing in Cabo. There's one resort we love. Why not pick that up and take it to Cabo? And that's what we've been doing since. So two years ago, we started doing New Year, New You in Cabo. This coming February will be its third year in Cabo. And it's a good time. (laughs) <laughs> it's it a good sounds time. like a good time it yeah. sounds like a fantastic time <laughs> it's fun it's our excuse so my husband always comes I, I make him dj so he works he earns his keep but oh, yeah. um he uh it's our excuse to get away on vacation and also bring friends and clients that just want to just like have a safe space to talk about of course we throw in some medical stuff we talk about you know blood pressure and diabetes and chronic illness and all that but we also talk about self-care and setting your intentions for the new year. And do you want to start a business? Oh, meet this person over here who owns three. Do you want to write a book? Oh, let me tell you how I wrote, you know, we talk about all those things that you, you want to achieve and then throw in some yoga, Zumba and party on a yacht for a couple of days. So, <laughs> right? In my language. I love a good boat party. It's, it's a vacation. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So who are the attendees? Is it other physicians? Is it black women? Is it just, who is it? Everybody. So l- largely black women, because that's who my audience is, but it's for everybody. It's for um, specifically, or uh, at least when we started, mostly primarily black women, generally ages between, you know, thirties to, to mid fifties, 
um, single, but definitely with moms and families, uh, just, you know, wanting to fellowship, wanting to have a space where they just focus on themselves for a couple of days and set their intentions for the new year was, yeah. is really cool. So of course, when I was having it in Durham, most of the folks were right here from North Carolina, but now that we've extended it to Cabo, I have people from California, from Maryland, um, you know, from all over that are coming to join us to have, have a good time. Yeah, that sounds. And they're male partners too. The men are starting to come now too. Okay. It's a full party. Okay. That sounds so fun. Um, okay. So this next retreat is when? February the 2nd through the 5th, 2024. Awesome. And are there particularly, you said you mentioned like medical things and of course wellness and spas and stuff. Is there any like underlying topic or is it really just devoted to like wellness and balance and all of that? So every new year kind of has its own theme. I mean, the underlying theme is always going to be no superwoman. Mm-hmm. Um, bring out work-life integration. You know, we don't talk more, we don't talk as much about balance anymore because that really doesn't exist. It's more yeah. about work-life <laughs> integration and finding the joy in your work that hopefully, you know, helps you make money and stay happy and all that stuff. Yeah. So the underlying theme is always going to be the no superwoman lifestyle. Um, but our uh our keynote speaker this year is Karen Clark, who locally is one of our favorite um radio uh DJs. She's you know uh, in in the entertainment and music scene she's uh, uh, recently remarried has now a blended family um, and is doing all the things so I think she has a wonderful message to give to women in general just about you know creating your second act you know what does your second act in life look like Um, so she's our keynote I have my favorite massage therapist coming with us to do massage my favorite yoga instructors to come and do exercise um, I'll of course have my IV hydration and vitamin stuff on deck if that's what's needed <laughs> for Love the part component. <laughs> and yeah. um, we just have we have a good time. So I'm looking forward to it. Awesome. So we'll post obviously all the links to like the retreat and to your books. Um, when do tickets go on sale? So we started early bird sales in October, regular sales start November the 1st, and it'll be until we sell out. So I know we're already probably, we're close to like 15 people already. I, I like to keep it kind of close and intimate because I, I, you know, rent the homes that we all stay in on the resort. And I like to kind of keep it close and intimate. So usually around 20 to 25 is the the uh, max. So we're getting close already. You know, people have put in their their PTO and they're getting ready. So you know, people go ahead and you know, jump on board if you're ready. People <laughs> love a good time, okay? People love a good time. So yes, we'll include the show notes that will have the link to the retreat and everything that you're doing. I'm excited. So the retreat's coming up. You have books out. You have all these things that you're doing. Is anything else coming up for you? Any goals you have? No, I mean, I guess my goal is always to continue finding that good, you know, again, I said, I just said balance doesn't, doesn't exist, but creating that balance (laughs) that I want. Um, You know, I got two preteen girls, you know, growing up in the house, got my husband, I still want to pay a lot of attention to and go out and have dates with. So (laughs) It, it sounds, you know, when I say it out loud, it sounds overwhelming. <laughs> a lot of the things that I'm trying to juggle, but the freedom now that I have, particularly now yeah. being out of a, outside of a clinical setting, 
it is something I wouldn't trade for right now. But I'm still always trying to seek that balance of doing all the things I want to do that will hopefully make us money. We can pay the bills, um, but giving me the yeah. space to be present with them and have fun. So I will always continue to do that. Does that mean I will never step foot back into a clinical setting? Not necessarily. We'll see if it's the right fit, you know, and I feel like that's something I want to do when I miss the setting. Then, like I said, the good news is we can always go back, but that's, that's always my goal. Yeah. I love it. And I think that this, there's a cultural shift that's happening and it is to, to diversify income. It's no longer the like get one job, stay in it for 30 years, get a pension, which no longer exists. And then you retire. It's now it's like, find things that are interesting to you, try a bunch of stuff, still earn good money, but not have it consume your life and be the main crux of everything that you do all day, which I love. You got it. You got it. And I love that folks nowadays seem to be learning it earlier in their careers rather than later. Yeah. But I think that that's also part of the culture, right? It's like things have shifted so much that like for me coming like in training, I was already burnt out because the culture of medicine had shifted so significantly that I didn't have a choice, right? I, we already knew what the culture was by the time we were residents. So it wasn't, we didn't have a choice but to notice the environment, right? Right, so. that's right. But I'm glad that you saw you saw a way out and saw a way that you could adjust. Yeah, I'm still I'm still adjusting. I'm still I'm still finding, but you have given me a lot of food for thought. Good, good. Well, I like this mix on you. It looks good on you. Yeah, it looks good on you. right. <laughs> I, I'm feeling that. Feeling that. <laughs> I love it. Is there anything else you want to share with the audience that you think is important for them to know? Just, you know, keep a positive outlook on just what what you can do with your life. You know, I think, you know, the other thing that has been happening with the culture shift is the unfortunate uh, risk and rise of physician suicide uh, rates in our in our work that we've chosen to do. And I I don't ever want people to feel like there's no hope. So if you're out there, you're struggling, you feel stuck, you need folks to talk to, please always rely on your, hopefully all of us have primary care physicians that we rely on, you know, reach out to your primary care folks, reach out to your therapists and your counselors, you know, pray, reach out to your faith source, and then reach out to mentors that can help show you the way. And so if anyone ever has any questions or concerns or things they want to discuss with me, don't hesitate to reach out. Like we are, we all should be here for each other and helping one another through all this. A hundred percent, hundred percent. And I always fully support therapy and counseling and so and community, just building that community that is helpful for you and will support you through whatever it is. Cause there's always an answer. It's never, you don't have to figure it out by yourself either. So. Correct. Love it. Okay. So folks, Dr. Nicole has a lot of good stuff. There are books, there are retreats, there are, it's just a little razzle, a little dazzle. I like this. That's my favorite. A little hand gestures, a little shimmy, right? <laughs> there's, there's a little bit of something. So 
if you are literally interested in anything else other than clinical medicine, even if you're interested in doing clinical, but just in a different way, you know, this is an example that there are so many possibilities. There are so many ways to get things done. So don't stay stuck. Like we say, you don't have to be in a place where you're unhappy. You just don't have to stay there. We certainly, certainly don't. Yes. Love it. Thank you so much for coming on for making time. I know you have a booked and full schedule. Really appreciate <laughs> Not it. On purpose. Huh? <laughs> Not today on purpose. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so yes. So thank you for making time for this. I really appreciate this conversation. And you know, we don't talk because I have questions and yes. <laughs> here. I'm here. Awesome. Well, thank you folks for tuning in. We will be back next week with another episode. And in the interim, please click on all the links in the show notes because we got a lot to share. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening please subscribe to the podcast. And what I want you to do next is write a review. I'm going to make this so easy for you. Just go ahead and give me five stars, but also leave a comment that tells me how we can be off the charts. I want you to link us everywhere you can. Instagram at the Black Doctor, the Black Doctor website to join our newsletter. Just become part of our collective. I want you here. Thanks. Until next time. Bye. Bye.